And now, part two of my chat with the fabulous singer, songwriter, and all-around entertainer, Z Machine. Not exactly right now, because we have to take a moment to talk about patreon.com slash craigandfriends. Head on over there now, check out the refreshed price tiers and the new offerings, and see which one works best for you. Get in on movie clubs ahead of time, get lots of bonus episodes, and see what's going on behind the scenes, plus advanced, uncut, and ad-free versions of these very episodes. So hop on over there now. Once again, it's patreon.com slash craigandfriends. And another terrific way to support the show is to rate and review it on whatever platform you are listening to it on. And now, now, it's part two of my chat with Z-Machine. Us talking about the intro to meth, you know, it's not that wildly <laughs> different from booze because oh, lo- no, yeah and but but booze is re- so goddamn ingrained in the culture it's it's a fucking i don't it's scam isn't the right word but it's it's like a ruse wouldn't be uh, ru- ruse yeah. would not be incorrect ru- i mean rhymes with booze yeah um, <laughs> so this must be true um but it's it's uh, our society is so propped up by it now that like if we were to take it away because it is literally a poison <laughs> right it um is. and then the things that they do make illegal yeah I, i'm just like make it make sense it, it's it's really strange and and i to be honest i do try to not be like like a teetotaler or like a, like really judgy about this kind sure. of stuff but you know i my 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 personal experience taints it a lot because i i see all these people who are just their their lives just involve so much um inebriation that i'm kind mm-hmm. of like i it, my first thought is like what are you escaping from or or why or why do you feel the need to you know take your mind out of itself this frequently this intensely and i try to and it's also something that they tell us in the program is like you know just like don't take someone else's inventory. And and I'm well, like, sure. it's very hard not to. <laughs> it is very hard not yeah. to. And the reason I uh, have an issue with it is that, so I enjoy other substances like ketamine and mm. uh, in very infrequently acid. Because I only had one proper acid trip and it was New Year's Eve going into 21. I watched the Bee Gees oh, documentary. And oh. I'd had, it was a great combo. As I, as like, I see this, this uh, oh, Bee Gees yes. coffee table uh, book on the... Yes, we'll have right to take here. a photo of that with yeah. us looking at it like, Fair oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then underneath it, the press book for the Sgt. Pepper movie starring the Bee Gees. Oh, of course. We, of course. Naturally. Yeah. yeah, and then the Jessica Hahn Playboys. There you go. Right. It's, it's a natural progression, Exactly, really. standard yeah. fare yeah. Uh, on any coffee first table. Guess. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, great bedtime reading. Mm-hmm. Um the uh, both with either one great pictures of yeah. everyone in there uh, <laughs> and but the thing is i think it's good to mention this stuff because i think if people uh, considered either their own booze habits or the booze habits of people in general they could have a little bit more understanding for people who have either chemical dependencies or just use chemicals because people who drink uh shocking amounts will then be like well i know i would never do fill in the blank Mm -hmm. and you're like oh you mean mushrooms like the thing that you don't have a hangover from and or you know or weed or or whatever it is Mm -hmm. because it's not like i'm trying to get you to endorse substances or something as a as a as a sober person 
there's strange biases that are also informed by advertising. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's part of the cultural indoctrination that is, I don't know, it's kind of like that thing about RuPaul talking about Monty Python and seeing everything from a distance or mm -hmm. as an outsider. You look at it and you go, okay, so if basically everyone is on drugs of some kind, caffeine, to, you know, whatever level. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and but that's just how it is. I mean, and I think that when there is a lack of understanding, sometimes a, a deliberate one, because that can give people a sense of superiority mm -hmm. uh, when they looked on their nose at people with problems that it's uh, inhumane. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, being in like a, a program of recovery gives you a lot of opinions. Um, about, I'm sure. Especially with this stuff and not always once and not every opinion needs to be um, expressed publicly, <laughs> but you know, things like, you know, Twitter have, have made that, you know, feel like, you know what? I've got something to say. Yeah. And I think everyone, I would love to bless you all <laughs> with, and, and so mm -hmm. that kind of creeps in, into, um, I wish that there was like a, like a sober Twitter where I could just like <laughs> put all of my, air, all my grievances out. What's uh, one grievance that. that you'd be comfortable sharing? People in meetings, um, who go past the timer with no regards for the other people sharing. <laughs> They're like, and I'll finish with this. And they'll go on for another minute and a half. And it's like, you had three minutes. <laughs> and this, uh, as a performer who uh, <laughs> shares stages with people, you're very acutely aware of that. Yeah, well, those kids, it's always going to be late. So I'm so, <laughs> so that, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I tried as someone who showed up, uh, you know, one minute early. Yes, that's um, right. Right. I was going to say, um, yeah, but no, if, if it's ever like a performer, if you're sharing a stage, if you're doing a set, if if you go on thirty minutes after you're scheduled, that is that is early. That is yeah. It's, it's I I feel like I've maybe done since I've been in L.A. I think maybe two shows that have were close to being on time, and one of them was actually at precinct. So oh okay, figure, yeah. yeah, yeah. They run a tight ship. Mostly, yeah, yeah. It was good. Yeah. It was um, you know, meatball. Yeah, the yeah. fat slut night. Yeah, that was I went I went on early. Amazing. I was like, what? What's going What's on here? Uh, run by drag queens? <laughs> like, <laughs> unheard of. Yeah. 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 So, so, so it's, that was good time, honestly. Yeah. Did you do one number, two numbers? It was just one. It was just one. And mm -hmm. honestly, Meatball is is not as messy as she claims, as she pretends to be. Right. I think it's part of her brand. Yeah. It's kind of like Dean yeah. Martin in a way. Dean yeah. Martin, you know, yeah. Dean Martin did drink, but he didn't drink like he. Yeah. Looks like he drank. Oh, speaking of, I mean, people does drink, but she's well, I, yeah, but know. like it, Dean Martin would mm -hmm. have like apple juice or iced tea in his glass on stage. Oh, okay, up I until see, the I last see. drink, and then that would be a watered down whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way to do it, you know. Yeah, the the drag of of drinking. Um, Usually, the most fucked up ones are the ones who try very, very, very hard to seem like they're not. Oh, yeah, because there's the shame element <laughs> of it, where you don't want you want everyone to be looking everywhere else but you. So. Yeah. Um, but I was saying, yeah, that was, that was a, that was a great night because it was like, I went on, I did one number I've, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, disclose like the exact details, but I've never been as a performer, um, compensated as much of what I feel like I'm actually worth for, for the amount of work I did yeah. as I was that night. And I'm like, damn, this is, so this is what it's like. It was, it was very, I was felt very well taken care of. Well, that's another, uh, nice thing about, not just precinct, but meatball and uh, other performer slash promoters, mm. such as uh, meatball. When I, I feel like when you are a performer yourself and you're mm -hmm. putting on a night, I feel like that helps um, because you've been there. Because you know, yeah. you, you, when you get into this, you you just kind of 
have to, and it shouldn't be this way, but you just kind of have to accept that I'm going to be doing this probably for free or for well below, you know, the amount I'm putting into it. Yeah. Um, and you kind of are just like, well, it's better than nothing. And so we kind of just have to really love what we're doing and just sort of accept that, um, I hate this phrase, but that it is what it is. And well, yeah. yeah. And, and that, you know, hopefully these are stepping stones to, to a level up. Yeah. Um, which, well, you know, and, and, and you do have to do the thing where you, that old adage about saying yes to everything. Yeah. Really. But, and also you've been very proactive <laughs> in going for uh, opportunities, which is a great thing. Mm -hmm. And in particular, in the internet age, you submitted uh, a cover to the Perez Hilton cover Oh, we're going way back. Yeah. Oh, well, you yeah. know, like, like I do. She did her research. <laughs> she. That's right. She does. She likes her research. Mm -hmm. And you won. It was yeah. for a cover of Mary the Night. Oh, and now, yeah. were you in San Francisco at that, that point? That was when I was at Berkeley, actually. At Berkeley. Okay. That was, yeah. I, so I, I do some of the yeah. research, but I deliberately leave things fuzzy. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, fill, in, <laughs> I'll, fill, in the, I'll fill in the blanks. Don't worry. Um, can't have you know all the story. Yeah, no, that was, that was like. Well, I, to be honest, I was mm -hmm. like, I wonder if that's Boston because that seems like Berkeley guitar players. <laughs> they sure not, were. Not in a bad way. Oh, they, and honestly, know. two of the best guitar players I've ever met in my life. Well, the guy had a handle yeah. on one of the guitar uh, the guitars. Yeah, was that was like, a that was a, a Steve Vai yeah. guitar. <laughs> that's what it was, right? Yeah. yeah. Who, uh, mm -hmm. No, go, go, go oh, ahead. Oh yeah, he that he that was like his thing because he even kind of looked like him too. He did look like yeah. Steve Vai. And so, for listeners not familiar with Steve Vai, hi Amon, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Check out, yeah, amazing work and in that. But if you want to see a good guitar daring do like none you've seen before, go check out Steve Vai. And to give an indication for those who won't go listen to him, Steve Vai is such a skilled guitarist that Frank Zappa hired him at age 17, I believe. I think 17, 18. He was at Berkeley, I believe, actually. Yes, he was. Yeah. And he was just sending Frank transcriptions yeah. that he had made of Frank's stuff. And Frank was like, oh, this is very accurate. And this kid did it on his own time. Yeah. I guess we'll see what's going on with him. Yeah. No, Steve Vai, he, he, is, uh, he does things that you can't be taught Yeah, with, with his instrument. Um, and actually, uh, guitar, like shredder culture is actually a big uh, part of my um, sort of makeup yeah yeah like yeah. Uh, uh growing up and becoming a musician like uh, there's a good you know three years where i did listen to nothing but um classic rock and guitar shredders i think it's good to point that out too especially mm -hmm. as a, a prominent queer mm -hmm. uh, singer songwriter that there's a lot of elements that can make the final product yeah. because i find there's a certain uh a certain monotony in a lot of the stuff that you hear at certain gay mm -hmm. nights and <laughs> yeah. um you know like most of us know we like all sorts of stuff yeah yeah, yeah. so we've contained multitudes it, yes exactly and so who are some of your favorite shredders and or classic rock bands um let's see well i was actually going to get into this uh uh we'll a little bit ago but we yeah. we have a, a tendency of we'll go whichever uh, direction there you go you know, the conversation takes us which classic is organic uh, yes it is yes, yeah. yeah but uh so i was in a band uh in high school called tommy and we, because the first song we covered was Pinball Wizard. Well, of course, you know, I'm, and, and I'm a, quite a fan. Yeah, and we're looking at the 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 film poster. Yes. Is this right up here? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a preference um, between the original album and the film soundtrack? Um, it, it, it goes back and forth. There's certain things I prefer on one and certain things I prefer on the other. Sure. Um, like Acid Queen on the film, for sure. There's no way to beat the Tina yeah. Turner version. Yeah. And, and, but I prefer the Who singing Pinball Wizard to Elton. And I love Elton, but I no, prefer I know the what you mean. version. It's just yeah. one of those things. It's yeah. like, that's the original and also the guitar on it. It's great. Mm -hmm. Of course, Davy Johnston's fabulous as well, yeah. but 
I mean, I love Elton John, and I love his version, but yes, the preference goes to the Who on that one. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's you know, pick uh, pick the best pieces of each. Um, yeah. But so so we we called ourselves Tommy because that was like you know our, one of our first shows. Like we oh we did even our first show we did uh, uh, I think it was Pinball Wizard and we did Love Rain Over Me. Oh wow, that's which, an ambitious one. Well, I mean, I was shooting way beyond what I could do because <laughs> really? I because you can do quite a bit I mean that thing that you sent to Mark Ronson was pretty impressive well thank you I was oh that in addition about, to talk, your talk music talk about peaking that was me peaking right there <laughs> um, but no I just remember uh, um, reading like this list of like greatest classic rock vocal performances of all time and number one was Love Rain Over Me and I was like well I want to do that <laughs> <laughs> because I'm 15 and I can't tell me not. <laughs> uh, but we did that. And so we uh, we were like, well, we just called the band Tommy because for every gig we did for that, we would do one Who song per set. Some more successfully than others. Um, uh-huh. uh, sometimes if, if we would do like Won't Get Fooled Again, it's like we just wouldn't learn the middle. We'd just kind of like vamp <laughs> and then just end it. We'd learn the beginning, fudge the middle and do, do yeah, the end. <laughs> yeah. How, did, how does one do the middle without... Uh... I don't know. I'm seeing, to be honest, I've... I'll be honest, I don't even love the middle that much. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I love the middle because yeah. I'm like, this is so weird. And to think mm-hmm. that in 1971, mm-hmm. I think that was like the first, or at least one mm-hmm. of the first uses of rhythmic, or almost, mm-hmm. not sequence, but rhythmic mm-hmm. synthesizer yeah, in yeah. A, a rock setting. Oh, for sure. It was groundbreaking. For sure. And like, I, I have a lot of like respect for it. I feel like more than I like listening to the the eight minutes of it, sure. I feel like. I feel like there's there are parts where they're just, it just kind of feels like, and also, I I love I love the Who, so I say this with, with love. There were moments where it kind of felt like they were all in their own song because oh, they were all such sure. masters of of their craft. Yeah, um, that like when it was just kind of them jamming. I although back then I was like the longer the song the better. And now I'm like <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I, I've 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 become less indulgent in that kind of thing. Like I was such a fan of you know like yes or like the almond brothers where they would just play a half hour long song sure thing, things like that and, and i was like oh just just give that <laughs> give, give that derek and the dominoes like 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 uh um what was that so, uh, what is that song got to be so sad. Yeah, it's like 11 minutes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah, you're like oh it's a great it's a double album and there's six mm-hmm. songs on it yeah exactly yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> i was obsessed with that stuff in high school and now i and now i'm like i like a nice 10 song album where each song is three and a half minutes i want the writing i want i want production i want to feel something and then i was just like i just want to like everyone to think the guitar player was like a god amongst men sure um i, and, I gotta uh mm-hmm. mention you might like the first version of one get fooled again that i heard and then did not understand why the song was so popular on the who's greatest hits album the one okay. that has the union jack cover because mm-hmm. they're one of those bands that has like three thousand uh available greatest hits compilations yeah they're, there's I, like 10 they're, albums it, it's all a, you know epic mm-hmm. work but there's only about 10 albums and um 15 to 300's greatest hits there's a three and a half minute edit of won't get fooled again and i remember like not being that into it <gasps> then i got who's next and i was like oh wow that's the thing like i i I like I complain about the long version, but I I feel like if it was short, it wouldn't be the same. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, you're like, well, it's got to go mm-hmm. this way. Yeah, yeah you've yeah. got to have it like this. Oh yeah. wait, hang on. No, wait. The other song we did, we did Baba O'Reilly all the time. I, oh, I was just okay. thinking of that, and yeah. I'm like, because I was thinking of the rest of that album and like yeah. what other ones are on that, and I was like, oh wait, we did Baba O'Reilly all the time. And for anyone um, listening who has a, uh, an image of their mind of the Who is this stodgy classic rock band, mm-hmm. go listen to some really incredibly progressive stuff. Uh, Tommy mm-hmm. in particular 
is an album about, I mean, essentially about mm -hmm. child abuse and then the uh, trauma that comes from it. So wild. <laughs> it's wild. So yeah. And then, um, and then there's Quadrophenia, which is about identity mm -hmm. and uh, all this stuff. I mean, like even uh, Won't Get Fooled Again mm -hmm. works perfectly in today's climate because the, the one of the I listened to it again the other day and one of the greatest lines is uh meet the new boss same as the old boss the last boss. line yeah and, it's incredible yeah. and it's it's like it's it's uplifting and yet completely mm. bleak at the same time yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean the album cover is them finishing up like peeing on the wall so, <laughs> yeah you know yeah Townsend's one of my very favorites. Oh yeah, time. I walked in here and like the first thing oh that's right i mentioned is, is Pete Townsend. Pete Townsend yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um no sam i mean they were one of sort of my my OG uh, uh, introductions to classic rock along with... Actually, the first thing that really broke the seal on that for me was um, when I finally got an iPod in 2004. And they had two albums on it because it was all that we, we had on our computer at the time. And one of them was Come Away With Me by Nora Jones uh -huh. and The Beatles won. Also, for a singer, I imagine... You you got a lot of bases covered there because Nora Jones. Yeah, that was actually weirdly that album because that album was the moment for like two thousand. Oh my god, it was like the biggest selling. People who didn't buy yeah. records bought that record. Yeah, exactly. It was which is so weird because you know she's not really like making like tons of headlines these days, but like she won. She won like all the big four. She won album, yeah. record, song, new artist. Yeah, she was like the Christopher Cross of uh, that. Yeah, era. exactly. Yeah. But I remember that album being like because I was at that point I was you know in about to go into high school mm -hmm. i was listening to like lincoln park mm -hmm. and 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 the likes anything that was kind of like cool and like heavy yeah um and um made me feel like a badass and then like Nora jones comes around and i'm like for some reason i fell in love with this record like i went to sleep to it every night oh that's so great. it's ingrained in in my sub like i remember every like nuance I, I haven't heard this album in years and i remember every bit of it yeah but it was that album and it was the beatles one and then i really started to kind of like appreciate the the writing on that i mean hot take the beatles were pretty good um although I, well I see, it's a good time I, yeah. to mention i can't stand when people sit, love to brag about hating the beatles i was gonna say <laughs> that that it's like I, I i'm not certainly not above like criticizing them where it's due but i do feel like there's kind of been like a reckoning of a lot of like these old classic acts who have gotten nothing but like endless accolades like elvis is a big one especially now that he's back in like the headlines people yeah. lo love to be like everything we know about elvis is lie and like sure maybe it was but i also feel like you know the the beatles are the blueprint to pop music right now right and they and certainly they were inspired by, by oh, a lot but I, yeah absolutely mm -hmm. but every act was and the thing about elvis being like uh, a lie uh, or the way that it's presented as he did this he did that yeah. well yeah and to a degree but it wasn't like pat boone doing this god-awful version of a little richard song mm, like elvis yeah. did inspire certain things yeah. and also he was a magnetic performer there's really yeah. no uh question about that i mean i never listened to him but when i do i go oh, that's a good tune um the bitch could sing yeah, yeah. he really could <laughs> have you seen the ray charles interview nobody appreciates more different kinds of music than you that's obvious but did you feel at the time in the 50s early 60s a resentment of some of the white performers who were copying r&b stuff and selling more records than you and your contemporaries were i just didn't object to it i just felt that the music just it wasn't that good to care about <laughs> and that sounds terrible doesn't it but i mean honestly maybe some <laughs> exceptions though i mean elvis was a talented guy well uh okay 
Not necessarily. You'd know better than I. Yeah. Let, well, me, let me ask it differently. How good was Elvis? What Elvis did, he caused a lot of the populace, if you want to, and usually when people say populace, they usually mean white people, uh, to start listening to a lot of music that normally they wouldn't have been listening to. I guess I'm going to lose uh, at least about a third of my fans right now. But to say that Elvis was was uh, so great and so outstanding, uh, like they say, he's the king. I, I got I got in trouble because one guy asked me this question and I said the king of what and he got mad at me. You see, I don't think of Elvis like that because I know too many artists that are far far greater than Elvis. I think Elvis was person came along at the right time. Well, he was a white kid that could do rock and roll or rhythm and blues or whatever name you want to call it, and the girls could swoon over him. Nat Cole got in trouble in Alabama when the women swooned over him. Got put out of town. And black people been going out shaking their behind for, for, for centuries. And what the hell's unusual about that shaking the hips and stuff? And that's all Elvis was doing was copying that. And he was doing our kind of music. He was doing the Willie Mae Thorne jailhouse rock. That's black music. So what the hell am I supposed to get so excited about, man? But I think all this stuff about saying he's the king and he's the... De- I, 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 piece of bunk. Sorry. Next question. Don't ask me no more about Elvis because I, I got me enough trouble as it is. I think you covered it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a follow-up is necessary. <laughs> okay. All right. This is, this is not a, a new narrative, but it, it definitely is, is one that, you know, we should... Uh, keep in the back of our minds when going into a Baz Luhrmann film. <laughs> I know, absolutely. And I think it's always good to remember, too, that uh, most cultural figures, there's things that are good and things that are bad. The blame is sort of put on someone like Elvis when you think, well, actually, it's the infrastructure that surrounded him and the industry there, which is a microcosm of the society that it was birthed under. Do you know what I mean? Like That's like mainly saying that the problem was American culture or America or do you know what I mean? I yeah. think those things are always a, a, a it can point to what was bad or or you know o- older films that have wildly inappropriate stuff. Sometimes people get really Oof, yeah. like angry and it, well you go yes this was bad but it's helpful to see that stuff to see where the country was in 1982 mm-hmm. or 3 when 16 candles came out and like such yeah. wildly offensive humor was considered the shit. <laughs> you know even even like you know 15 years ago yeah like, like things like a judd apatow movie from from a certain era where it's just like the gay panic oh is yeah like, is is holding up the movie the the original queer as folk it was formative for so many you know queer people but also we're just like oh my like negative diversity <laughs> sure yeah, yeah it was it was yeah. all all straight well there was i think one of them was queer but like all straight people being playing these characters right yeah but and i think it's interesting mm-hmm. to look at those things and then see the progress from there which i think yeah. is the hope again it's glass half full glass half empty because uh, i think a mistake a lot of people make is just dismissing out of hand older stuff that doesn't uh, align with our current mores or standards or enlightenment level because i think that deprives us of um understanding both the progress and the history in general like a movie i watched recently called partners with ryan o'neill and john hurt 
And the premise is, it's almost like uh, the, not romantic comedy, but a comedy version of Cruising. Because <laughs> yeah. Ryan O'Neill has, has to go undercover as a gay guy in okay. San Francisco because there's been a couple murders. It's nowhere near as like intense and hardcore as Cruising is, which I think is also a brilliant movie. Some consider homophobic. I think that's ridiculous. But anyway, John Hurt is playing a little bit of uh, a gay stereotype. But the gay stereotype guy, kind he saves the day. Mm-hmm. All the negative things they say about them, they're shown. The other people are shown to be ignorant. Yeah, do you know? Like that's the underlying mm-hmm. context. So I think that's. I like seeing progress in stuff, even when the guy's playing like a, a, a stereotypical Nelly or something like that. A little bit different, but but same kind of thinking where people will be like, "Oh, so and so only sold um, however many copies of their debut record." Ah. Uh, well, Britney Spears' debut, she sold like 20 million and she was 17. And it's like, you you can't use, you know, the standards of the music industry sales today when when the music industry today is essentially TikTok versus right. when, you know, you, you were going out and you had to buy a physical copy and the radio controlled everything. It's just, it's, it's just not this. And I don't know, when people have no like, not foresight, but, you know, like the ability to kind of think critically like that. Well, yeah, exactly. I think uh, cultural comprehension, uh, there you, that, that's you, you know, and also like, well, what, you, what was, uh, you know what, contextual comprehension, mm-hmm. I think, because context is everything, yeah, right? And sure. it's something that seems progressive in 1979, might not in 89, and yeah. then, but might again in 1999, mm-hmm. do you know what yeah. I mean? Because I think all art is in any, in some way, a reflection of the time it came out. But in terms of your work, uh, when did you start uh, thinking nice, about writing nice songs? Pivot. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. When did I start writing songs? Well, I guess it would have been uh, my first band when I was in I was in eighth grade, I believe, it was the first time I ever really wrote. A, actually, I'm, I'm going to go back even further. I was in yeah. seventh grade. Uh-huh. The first thing I really did was I, and this is actually kind of, this is kind of cool. Um, I would, I took all the, I wanted to like make a quote unquote album. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a bunch of tapes Yeah. Um, and I would take all the, like the, the little boom boxes in my house. We maybe had like, you know, three and I would take one tape and I would go like, yeah. and on the other one I would, I would, and I would stop it. And then I would put my ear, headphones into that little tape recorder and then in and I would record it into the next thing and I would be like like into the next tape and then I would take the next one I'd be like and then I would hit play on them all at the same time (laughs) and then on that and then on the master tape I would sing over it while while this like very messy messy like sounding uh track made all of essentially acapella instruments was playing and I would very loosely writes sometimes i'll just kind of make it up but i i remember making a full double-sided um tape of like 12 songs like this that's great and and so and i was like 12 or 13 i think that's an time that's impressive though that's uh, resourceful and uh, imaginative yeah and i can even remember um the very oh my god this is so oh i mean i've of course, I can't you know judge what I'm doing now based on that, but I can still remember like the of, like the chorus of that first one. Uh, but it's probably then, good. It's probably it was good. not good. It was not no, good. Okay. no, no, it was not very good. <laughs> um, it, it, I didn't write a good song, <sighs> but Let's you know, see. even your early probably songs, you could probably if you listen to it back, you'd be like, oh, that bit, I could use that bit. There's probably something in those bits. Um, there would okay. Once I got into a band and we started writing music, then yeah. um. 
it, it, because it was more fleshed out, it was real instruments. Um, yeah. I, I had a little more to work with then. Um, the first ones were rough, but I do remember the first time I wrote something, I was like, okay, this feels better than that one. Yeah. Um, we we had, you know, like uh, my first band, we, we had maybe like four or five original tunes or mm-hmm. something. And we would, tr- for each of our show that we did, we, we our shows that we did, we would try to incorporate one original tune mm-hmm. and if i hadn't written a new one by the next gig we just do the last one we, ne- we never did a show that was like all originals because that just wasn't really what the shows were called they were like put on by like our school or mm-hmm. something like that so it, it would mostly be like um uh covers of like the who metallica um maybe maybe led zeppelin and then like an original mm-hmm. so um but it really wasn't until i got to college i would say that i really started to to create music and like record music that i feel like was actually of some sort of quality mm-hmm. because i finally got you know like i had garage band on my laptop um and, and and i'm listening to like a lot of these i'm like wow i was fully just ripping off like this song <laughs> but you know you, you gotta pull influences from somewhere and i feel like now i feel like now i'm actually writing um music that i want to listen to Mm -hmm. well that's the main thing right mm -hmm. that's what you got to do because there's no uh i remember someone telling me i can't remember who it was i don't know if uh, yeah it was something about uh, if you're going to sell out right or do something that you don't believe in make sure you're guaranteed a lot of money because (laughs) if you don't and i knew a band uh in in massachusetts which i won't specify but Mm -hmm. they really went for whatever was going at the time and it was so antithetical to what they were and it bombed and they, they spent a lot of money on it. There was a whole thing. I always remembered that. That always stayed in my mind. I was like, yeah, you better be sure that there's a lot of money coming or yeah. there's something in it for you in order <laughs> yeah, to make it worth it. Otherwise, yeah. you know, you're going to be playing stuff that you hate and not getting any remuneration for it. So yeah. making music you want to listen to is the most important thing. Did you find that easy to do like along the way or did you ever find yourself thinking I should be writing this type of song? I yeah. should be writing that type of song. Um yeah, there was there's definitely like periods of that. I never wrote anything that and I never released anything that I wasn't happy with mm-hmm. or that I didn't also enjoy. But the process of of creating it was a lot more like I need to find that perfect blend of like original but still um uh consumable to the masses. Um catchy but not cliché. Uh, you, you know, like cool, but not like corny. Sure. Um, and and it just became like this impossible balancing act of um, perfectionism. Yeah, basically. And and it's like if I wasn't immediately happy with something, I would kind of just abandon. I still have a problem with that sometimes now. But I, I'm I. Um. But I mean, honestly, I just I feel like my ideas are like better now, so I tend to finish them more often. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, and I'm also like I'm I'm writing stuff like for other people too, mm-hmm. which is which is like a, a different. It's it's both like more stressful, but also um, less riding on it for me because mm. it's like you're almost it's almost like acting. Sure. You know, in a weird way, because you have to like play like, well, would this person like to sing this? Would this be something they would say? Um, is this within their range? Right. Um, so, so do you that's, find, do you find mm-hmm. that liberating in a way? Because it's, a, it can be. Yeah. yeah. Cause you, you're, it seems like, you know, you're writing in not, if it's not for you, mm-hmm. maybe this kind of, uh, I don't know, aspect of writing is yeah. easier, not the whole thing, but like, uh, writing a verse. Oh, wait, I don't have to agonize over mm-hmm. it. Cause you can agonize over stuff. Yeah. Although it can also then be, 
um, stressful because I don't take criticism well. And if they don't like what I did, I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'll go fuck myself. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's all good. Sometimes I find in writing sessions, um, to be honest, I, I don't normally like writing with other people uh-huh. that much. Like, like I will bring a, um, a song into my producer these days and I'll have written the majority of it and he'll sort of help me bring it to life and he'll maybe suggest something here or there. But I did a lot of like writing camps for a couple years where it was just like you and sometimes a group of like two or three other strangers mm-hmm. and you have to create something. And I'm just like, after two hours, I am burnt out. Yeah. And I have never written a song in uh, uh, a... And I also, if any of y'all are listening, like I... I, I love you to death but my process it's it just like I, I don't think i've ever written a song in a session that i didn't that i liked more than what i wrote something i wrote on my own listen to refer back to someone we've mentioned many times mm-hmm. uh p townsend mm-hmm. does not like to collaborate writing yeah same with uh diane warren never like doesn't like to write with anyone there you go yeah. and, and a lot of times it can be for those reasons because there's other it, let's call them social reasons or something like yeah. that because you can't focus on the thing it's distracting. And uh, another friend of mine was talking about those writing camps and trying them out when, when he'd moved to L.A. Because mm-hmm. it's like the thing you do when you go to L.A. Yeah. And honestly, I met my producer that way. And I and I and he is a fucking genius. He's mm-hmm. this 20. I think he just turned 24. But he was like 20 when I met him. Mm-hmm. And he was just this like fearless, uh, uh, just uh creative mm-hmm. and so i think that's so good stuff can come from it for sure yeah but, definitely yeah. but maybe not the thing you thought it maybe would. not the song from the session <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but yeah. then i think with any kind of composition or any kind of creation thing mm-hmm. whatever you find works best for you is yeah. what works best for you like tarantino writes his scripts out longhand which seems like a lot of cramping Ooh, but yeah. uh you know that works that's what he likes to do well, so yeah. it works seems to be doing all right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. exactly and he's uh dyslexic too so wow, that's uh okay. so it's uh even more of a challenge but he gets it happening what do you find the the, the way is into a song for you what's the first thing that it occurs? will um is it it can be a number of different things a lot of the time i will just i will hear it i will hear the full song in my head i mean obviously not like specific words or like like a full sentence but i will hear like a fully realized produced idea mm-hmm. or section it's yeah. like it's like if someone almost like when you if you're like walking through i don't know like walgreens or something and you kind of hear this like a bit of a song kind of like come through yeah and you're like oh that's kind of what's that it, it's like that in my brain mm-hmm. um where i will hear like a vibe of a song and i'll be like ooh, ooh, that's good so i'll have to i'll take out like my my notes my my voice memo and i'll be like see hit right there babes there you go there you go i'll try it and it'll sound fucking ridiculous because i'm like beatboxing and humming like a crazy person into my phone and i'm like oh this is it this is the one and i'll listen to it later and what you're hearing is like (laughs) and i'm like and i'm like i had and i'm like i was hearing something incredible well that was going on and you just have no idea and you do your best to try to piece it together i'll try to label the note i'll be like come back to this it sounds like this and this and yeah. this. And sometimes I'll do, and it has, my last two songs, actually, I, I had to go back and revisit my memory, and I turned them into something I loved. But I would say for every idea that I record on a voice memo that I use, there's like 50 that I completely never go back to. Yeah. So. yeah. Elvis Costello used to call his answering machine. Oh, yeah, back before 
wow. That is, that's fun. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, isn't that good? Yeah. It'd be interesting to hear those tapes. Uh, do you ever use GarageBand on your phone? I don't do it on my phone, no. Well, it's a, yeah. it's a really handy way to, because you can mm-hmm. just put some baseline down or something mm-hmm. so you can get more of a memory of okay. what it is the, the problem then, with that is that like i'll be in like too public of a sp- like i'll be like at you know my day job oh, or gotcha. something and i'm yeah. like and i like have like i have 30 seconds and i just like oh pull i out, see like, yeah 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 and i'll have to put it down immediately so. yeah no i understand yeah, yeah yeah but if you have a couple minutes at the supermarket yeah there you there, go yeah exactly yeah and then from there, you develop it into uh, what's what do you go to mm-hmm. guitar first? I, I will usually, you know, I actually, I while I do consider, you know, guitar the instrument that I I play primary. I mean, I'm a I'm a mostly a vocalist, but I do I do think I'm an above average guitar player. Oh, I would say so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember the song name because I was but the video is um it's a green background. It's a perform. It's like a live performance to. Or maybe it's lip sync. I don't know. Uh, um, industry secrets. No. Yeah, right. And, and, but you're doing anyone. a lot of interesting stuff on the guitar uh, that is not necessarily typical of the type of song that you're performing. Oh, okay. Um, it's from a few years ago. So, I think I think I know which one. Uh, was it Honeydew? Yes. Okay, Honeydew. that's the one. Yeah. Honeydew. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was watching the guitar technique, and I was like, "Oh, this guy really knows how to play guitar." Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not. Uh, I mean, it, it probably wasn't live, but like it was me playing. It was like kind of like a wah 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 yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah, and it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. And um, a lot of uh, actually, the funny thing about that is that it was literally a very like cheap GarageBand preset that I was using, where it's like I wasn't even using a pedal. It's just like the harder you play, the more the wah sound is triggered. So it sounds like you're doing it. So you can play like wow 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 wow. Yeah, <laughs> depending on how you play it, and yeah. Um, but I, funny thing is as much as I like guitar, I would, it's very hard for me to write just on an instrument because most of my ideas I hear are, they tend to be more layered and complex. And a lot of the, unless I, unless I set out specifically to write a song that's just on a guitar, um, it's just, it's a little hard to, to bring that to life if I'm just mm-hmm. sitting down with just me and my instrument. You know? <laughs> like, um, so what, what do you do then? So I'll, I'll sit at, I'll, I'll, I use, I mostly use, uh, logic mm-hmm. these days. Um, I, I, I use the pandemic to, to, I, cause I was using GarageBand for way mm-hmm. too long and I'm like, I need to, I, I, if, if I can't use this time to like step it up and finally teach myself logic now, I'm never going to. So sure. I actually, I actually managed to, to get like decent at it. Um, so re- these days I'll sit at logic and I will basically just like do my best to piece together what I remember yeah. from this idea um, into, into even just a, a, even if it's just an eight bar loop yeah. of an instrumental that I, that I don't hate, right. I consider that a, a win. Well, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. The thing with these writing sessions is that you go, you, the idea is to have a song done by the end of it. And that, yeah. and Rich, like I will do eight bars of a track and then leave it be, yeah. come back a few days later, maybe try to like hum something over it. I'll get a little bit. So I, I, I piece it together at yeah. my own pace yeah. and I have this process. And, and as a result, I have a lot of time in between each, each time to really like think about it. The song sort of forms in my mind, like, mm-hmm. like, like uh, roots of a tree. It just goes where it's supposed to go. Yeah. Um, actually I, I used this metaphor once. It was kind of like, was it Michelangelo who was, I'm not comparing myself to that, to that bitch, <laughs> but like, um, or, but he was like, David was in the marble. I helped it break. I, I do sometimes feel like the song already existed. I just had to put the puzzle pieces together. Sure. Um, because when, cause when I get the right note, 
mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's it. That's the one. Yeah. I, I know that it's the right note. Yeah. And and if someone tries to change it, I'm like, no, you, no, it's not how it goes. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so so that my process is very, it can be very drawn out. But as a result, it, I am always pretty much 100% happy with every single aspect of the song. Whereas if I'm in, if I'm writing a song with like three other people, there's a lot of parts where I'm just like, I mean, you kind of, you, it's, it's a lot of compromise Yeah. and you know, sometimes you'll put out an idea and you think the idea is great and like, they're not really for it. And so you're like, Oh, are my ideas bad? Uh, yeah. Um, right. So, so I, a lot of times it'll end up being a song that I may be like, like, like 60, 70% happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's not for me, it's like, I don't have as much investment in it. So if it's right. my own project, I, I'm like, I need, if this, if this is something I'm going to commit to, I need to like, there's no rushing this. It yeah. has to be right. So what's the uh, ratio of writing to released material? Hmm. Late, I mean, for my own stuff, I would say I end up finishing and releasing 20%. I don't know, because there are certain things it's like I will start and abandon immediately. Uh-huh. Certain things I will start get a good chunk in and then realize that this isn't right. And then there's things I'll finish. So I would say like, and it's weird. I'm actually self editing right now because, um, because, because I feel like a lot of people like, Oh, you have to write a gazillion songs before. And it's like, honestly, I feel like I've actually written a lot fewer songs than a lot of these writers do. And I, and I, in a way I do, God, I feel like I sound like such a cunt right now. No, no. I, Pete Townsend's I, first real song was, I think, Can't Explain. So that's damn, not bad. Damn, there you okay? go. Not bad. Yeah. I, I guess I want to say I do feel like I sometimes have a hard time like being complimentary about myself. But I do think that musicality is something that has always kind of just come naturally to me. I'm not saying everything I write is good. Because that is not always no. Been the I case. didn't take it as that. It's uh, it's yeah. You know, musicality, uh, thinking music, yeah. and all that stuff. I think I think I hold myself to a very high standard to make whatever I finish good. And if I feel like something is not good, I I abandon it, which is the opposite of what someone like Ed Sheeran says, where he where he's <laughs> like, if a song is is shit, finish it because that shit's gonna come out again in another song. And I am like, that's interesting. I don't know if that applies to me, yeah. but I I do feel as though. If I finish a song, I probably think it's good. Yeah. Because I there because I because I get so fed up that like I'm I'm not gonna finish something that I I don't think is going to be of quality. Right. There now, have there have been a few. There have yeah. been a few. Well, and then that's that <laughs> but, funny thing too because you think that whole thing about finishing stuff mm-hmm. because like McCartney was talking about finish it, just always finish it. I mean, you know, he's got like thousands of unreleased well, songs. Well, yeah, it's easier for him to say. Well, no, but I mean, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. But because um, there is that school of thought of like, well, finish it and then like maybe you'll like it later. Or, now, do you yeah. do you save all the stuff even if you uh, abandon it? So if I can, there's there's an issue of like having like hard drive space. Yeah, but at um, least it's an MP3 or something like that. A lot of the time, yeah. I unfortunately I had a computer that like died on me oh. in the pandemic, and and there was a lot of like really cool demos I would like to even even though like songs that I've put out, but like early versions of I I love hearing demo versions me of too. songs. You know, me it's too. it's like hearing what happened to it, and sometimes it's like, oh, you should have kept it, <laughs> or something's like, oh, that was actually pretty good. But like you know, I but now it's like there was a point where I was like listening to uh, 
a demo of a song where I was like, at the time, I couldn't hear it any other way. Mm-hmm. But now I'm listening to the version that ended up coming out, and I'm like, oh, that sounds so bizarre to me now. And I'm like, how yeah. how could my uh, my you know internal my my musical brain like has shifted completely? It's just what you're you're used to. You know, yeah. it is, and also you can. Mm-hmm. Um, fall in love with the demo or oh demoitis uh, yes is, demoitis is, is chronic and incurable yeah. <laughs> in terms of your releases uh, there's a lot of eps yeah there's 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 one like actual ep and then since then i've kind of been uh, doing just a single 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 because from like a um a marketing and promotional standpoint when you're an independent artist and with with you know limited means of a budget um people will pay about as much attention to like an album or an ep as they will a single drop like you know sure. you, you can put out a uh a, a song and people will like buzz about it for like a week or so yeah yeah and then you put out an album and people will buzz about it for about a week or so right <laughs> and so, so it just it it's it doesn't unless you have like funding um or like label support or, or, or something like that or a, t- a team which of which i have none it's i'm essentially uh it's essentially just me yeah um it just it doesn't make a lot of sense from a um a marketing promotional standpoint yeah and that's um, something that you really have to consider yeah. particularly when it's just you yeah and it, it makes me think of bright light bright light mm-hmm. as well because Who, i was actually that was the uh when i was like prepping for our first uh date we were gonna do this oh, i was yeah. listening to his um, oh cool his interview before this um, he actually just just followed and messaged me a, a couple weeks ago. Oh, that's great! Time. Yeah, Rod's so. lovely. Yeah, he's yeah. he's very sweet. Yeah, yeah, he's lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and he's a great um, example of mm-hmm. that. I mean, he does everything himself. I think he has a distributor now or something. Okay, but does he have like a manager or anything? No, no, he yeah, does it himself. Wild. Okay, it's why no, it's mm-hmm. bananas. Yeah, really, it's 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 more work than anyone sh- should have to do, and especially like. <laughs> Creative types aren't always business types, <laughs> right? Right. And there's a lot of negotiating and and money and like I I know at least for, for me in my experience I I am constantly devaluing myself um, and being like well no one really knows me so I guess I'll take the you know the really piddly amount of money that you know even even though I put you know twice as much into doing this it's like no one's coming even like coming to to this I'm like he's had like actual icons on this show well um, that's very sweet but also like I think you probably noticed over the the uh, the catalog like mm-hmm. it's people of interest right so people who yeah, are doing something yeah. of interest so that's mm-hmm. pretty much the the unifying factor between everyone mm. so you were a person of interest oh, and sure. and your work is uh, very interesting very good the first time i've been a person of interest <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. that's not what i read in the police report but there we can move on from that because yeah I know that's true that i'm the, not that interesting <laughs> <laughs> um mm-hmm. But I know you don't want to talk about the arrest. So, um, it's very arresting. But, uh, <laughs> no, no, but that's, uh, well, because I, I think that that's the, it's like when they say thing, uh, things about Catholic taste, it's the only good thing about Catholic, it's not Catholicism, it's Catholic taste in that everything is uh, of the same value if it's good. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, and also I like that the show can serve as a platform to whatever degree it does mm-hmm. for people that are doing what you're doing. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here. I'm glad yeah. we could do it. Yeah, I was I was very like uh like oh my god, what's this? I can't believe what's happening. Was, oh, that's very yeah, sweet. Thank you. Cuz I I remember I feel, I was very much listening to to y'all like from the from the get-go. So Oh, lovely. Thank so, you. Oh, this is I was like this is great. So even even like on my way here I was like 
I'll have a little quip about like I'm honored to be like the least prestigious guest on the show yet. Um, <laughs> as long as I'm not the least interesting. So no, certainly good. not. No, I'll tell you afterwards. Mm. Who okay, no. cool, cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll tweet it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. When, Sorry, Trixie. To hype. Well, yeah, I didn't yeah, want to say it publicly, but yeah. What, what can you do? What <laughs> yeah. can you do? Um, Classically boring. Yeah. No. No one's really Everyone that knows, interested. Yeah, too. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not sad. a lot going on. <laughs> I know you try to. You, you hope that one day she'll lock into at least mm-hmm. one thing she'll find her niche yeah yeah exactly you know and then maybe people will notice her and that's what's important you know what i mean yeah she really needs to go bigger is what i think that's what i think i think she needs more jobs yeah i think she needs more things to uh, i think it's a lack of Mm. engagement in life maybe try like branding you know yeah Yeah. (laughs) i know try to try to lock into something you know what i mean i don't know maybe real estate maybe a tv show Uh, but uh, i don't want to i don't want to jump to conclusions maybe maybe she should get into music or something no no, no 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 that, that wouldn't yeah. work the, the fans are not come from no head. it's <laughs> like you, you start as comedy yeah. you stay yeah. I, I think that is an amazing thing about the mm. uh depth and breadth of her career mm. at that where it's fellow like, fellow wisconsinite that's right yeah mm-hmm. yeah are you wisconsinites are sure driven and i think i made a mistake before cheap trick is from rockford illinois but oh, robin okay. zander is from wisconsin got it and used to do summer shows at the dells that... <gasps> oh wisconsin dells yeah, yeah wisconsin yeah. dells what mm-hmm. tell me about those it's like a it's like the catskills but in wisconsin right yeah I, to be honest my my biggest uh, experience with the dells is there's a big water park there that like we would all go to it was it would always be like a a special day when we got to you know it was like an hour and a half away from Mm -hmm. from madison but whenever we went there there was always like we're going to the dells i'm like so i mean this is also when i was like quite a bit younger so Mm -hmm. i I don't have a ton of memories um clear memories from there sure but like Um, that's the general vibe of it yeah i I do remember the dell like that being a thing okay time yeah yeah there'd be uh, performers and water parks Mm -hmm. yeah yeah good time yeah that seems like a a reasonable thing for robin zander to do pre-cheap trick there you go yeah Yeah. now but it's interesting thinking about how in the 70s there maybe were a lot more opportunities for uh musicians to either be in a cover band that's playing at the local bar or Mm. they're just doing their solo Mm. act uh, but th- there was live music a lot more places. I mean, if you think about Boston mm-hmm. in particular, the amount of venues that had live music in them, a friend of mine, uh, Steve Stone, who was in the Young Rationals, I was mentioning him before we started taping, he was telling me about all the places that they would play, you know, and not just the Rat, which is, uh, if people familiar with Boston, is a semi-legendary a venue kind of like the cbgb of boston and, okay okay yeah uh, which i it, which i worked next to it and it closed before i could go there but anyway uh that's where like the police played their first show in boston wow, and things fun. like that okay. now there's not as many live performance venues at least as far as i know but that doesn't mean that there aren't mm-hmm. what is the performance situation like for uh, an independent queer artist these days <sighs> Oof. uh like in a, it's in LA, because that's honestly a different situation. Because I feel like there is just, just by being here, you have more opportunities. Uh-huh. Like especially like because I was living, I start, I put out my first EP when I was still in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and just the opportunities just by living in a city like this, they are more likely to come to you. Sure. I mean, you got to do be a little proactive. It's not you can't just sit there and be like, <laughs> I'm ready. Like like yeah. you got to be a little, you know, take some initiative. But there's just uh more happening and if you and if you um make friends in in this who are doing what you're doing yeah people want people unless they're dicks like they'll probably want to help you out 
if you if you find your tribe yeah um for for me it's sort of like a friend actually the friend of mine who just opened for garbage he uh had hooked me up with this one booker promoter who I then ended up booking a few other shows with. There will be a lot of instances where it's like a, it's like a pay to play type of thing where it's like you sell everything past this certain number of tickets you sell, you get to keep, but, but essentially you, but you have to, but you have uh, to make a number. Threshold. And if yeah. you don't hit the number, you have to pay basically. Yeah. 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 Thankfully um, there's this one promoter um, where they, they would do this thing where it's like, so you basically have people Venmo you the ticket price. Oh, um, okay. And then um, you put their name down on a list. And so, and when you get to the show, you give that list to the people at the door so they can come. They've already paid. They check the name off the list. And as a result, you're kind of doing this thing. And this isn't a sustainable thing for like a tour or, or anything more than like a one-off type of show. But... Um, you're kind of making a personal you say reach out to me for tickets so they have right. to message you directly right they they pay you right there you're more mm. likely to, you make a connection yeah you make them commit um and as a result i like i actually played uh the viper room a few months ago which was like a kind of a a bit of a moment i wanted um, to go to that i was in oh moment. yeah that's right oh yeah. my god yeah i was i, was, I missed were, a lot of your notable shows so uh, my it's, apologies uh, it's fine you know it's it's fine i'm not you know, out of town anything. yeah out yeah no it's fine she's busy <laughs> it's fine it's fine um but she's international there you there you go i haven't left the country in 12 years so you know i can't relate anymore well but um, you did a fair amount before i guess i made so. up for it yeah i never yeah. really traveled international until five six years ago so okay yeah there you go there you go um, but, but that was actually, um, you know, I won't like, you know, talk money specifics, but it was like, well, no, no, I, but no. I was like, when I, when I no, finally we'll, we'll got put the, the spreadsheet up on, yeah. on uh, Instagram <laughs> later, um, when, when I, when I got like the final like numbers for that show, I was like, this is actually like, I, I'd never made that much from a show before. And I was not expecting mm. that because usually it's sort of like, I will maybe just break even. Yeah. And I think it's the first time from a local show that I basically promoted all on my own, because I'll be honest, like the bookers, they're there to, they, they have a connection for the venue. Yeah. Uh, and you essentially do all the promotion yourself. So right. it's a lot of friends and word of mouth. Right. And it was the first show where there were like people that I didn't know who had found out about it or saw I was playing, bought like their own ticket, like maybe at the door who also showed up. That's great. That, that this is the era where it's like people who my mom didn't tell about me are finding out about me. <laughs> and and that is kind of cool. Um, yeah. Granted, I will, I am, I do live in the most um, uniquely uh, niche demographic to my base, which is, you know, sort of, you know, uh, millennial gay men um uh well you said who, find your tribe right i mean that's there you go yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> who so so like i was you know at you know like pride a, a few weeks ago and i actually was like recognized like several times by people that i'd never met before which was like very cool but you know drop me off in south dakota and it's crickets so it's well, it's, it's very you, different a lot of us know? can say that yeah that's yeah. fair <laughs> enough fair enough good point um that's when you know you've made it so um but 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 so that's the first time that that's been happening and it's you know obviously um, i have to say like i'm not in it for the fame um it would be nice but yeah. uh, but well but, look someone recognizing yeah. you and telling you that they like your stuff is yeah. great it, it is cool it, even when i just did um uh i did indianapolis pride mm. uh a couple weeks ago not a couple weeks, like three weeks ago or something like that but there were people there who were like, I saw they knew like the words to some of these. It's not like the whole crowd was singing along, but they were like, 
a good like five or six out there and it's yeah. and this is not a state i have any connection to well there you go yeah That's i had i don't indicator. know that i've ever been there before even yeah. other than like maybe driving through it um so that so i was like this is really it, it definitely feels like i've 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 stepped up and i you know as much as i hate saying it like it is a lot because of tiktok like well there's nothing wrong with that yeah. i mean I, there's now talk of artists who are complaining mm -hmm. about having to go on tiktok yeah. because of what the record company says yeah. and all of that stuff but that is the content distribution yep uh but not I, what's I can't think of the word. But that's the place to go. It's it's both incredible and disheartening at the same time because it's like the fact that it it you know I started out the pandemic with about um and I I don't even have like a ton of in in the grand scheme of things I don't have astronomical you know listenership it's pretty good like like it's especially compared to when like we started the pandemic I maybe had like. 600 monthly listeners mm -hmm. and i'm up to like i think i i can average like forty five thousand monthly which is amazing really which, which is a huge jump up uh in a short period of time but it's all because of tiktok um and and i just i posted like one like song that i was like you know what i don't think that, i'm not doing very well on this app i just kind of threw it up there i did a little performance video of it and it and it like it didn't go mega viral but like it it was doing some pretty serious numbers like it it's it, what you know it's the you have triple quadruple quintuple what is times 10 uh <laughs> deca there you go it, it yeah. deca tupled my oh, wow. my my listenership like yeah. in in a week and 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 it has consistently because of the way the algorithm on there works it's yeah. kept it there so i'm just like this is incredible for especially for like independent people getting discovered like mm -hmm. like i i have i have a couple friends who have like been discovered and gotten signed from just posting like a 30 second video on there yeah at the same time it is now the only thing that labels care about because right. because it's like you, you can't promote music the way you did before like you can't do like a like a mall tour and and expect <laughs> yeah. that to catch on like right. you, like every and anyone who is consuming uh uh music that is going to chart is on TikTok right yeah, now. That's and, true. And it's the one way to like that way that algorithm works is like you can get within a day, you can get millions of eyes on one thing. That's right. If it goes right. So it's 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 a it's kind of a monster. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it and it depends like how you make it work for you. But you've so. been making it work. Which is the important thing. I've been, I, I have been making it work. You can take I'd a sip say. Of water. Okay. Oh, you know, I was about to take a sip and then I started talking. <laughs> I was like, hey. I know why well, I, I didn't give you the, uh, the time. It's all good. It's all good. Um, um, I, I, I've never really had that, like, a moment that was like, uh, undeniably like wildfire viral. Like, mm -hmm. I have a, I have a, uh, a coworker who I worked with, um, last year, who. Um, she posted a, a, like a 20 second clip of a song she had just kind of written like to some track that already existed. And within like that week, it, it, it got like, I think the final, it has like 40 million views on it right now. Wow. The song and she ended up finishing the song. It made it to the billboard hot 100. Amazing. Um, and and she's she was signed to a label. I think she's already like left that label <laughs> because she because it just it just found that doing like the independent thing just works out better sometimes. But she's yeah. playing Lollapalooza. Amazing. And I'm just like so and and so it can it can be that powerful. But like yeah. I've never had all that to say. 
I've never had any moment quite like that. But yes. you know, I, yeah. I would like post something and then like un you know, with no intention of doing so, it got like three hundred thousand views. Which right. which for me I'm like I will take it. <laughs> Absolutely, um, yeah. And so I've I have built a uh, a good. I feel like I've built a good base. Yeah. To where I am now, like you know, getting booked out of state. I'm being like I, I've been like actually people are willing to talk about flying me to play like a thing. I don't know when the, I don't know when this is this episode is going to come out. I'm not sure either. But, okay. Uh, I mean, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be announced. I am doing um, an arts festival in Provincetown. Oh, fantastic! Um, and I haven't announced that anywhere yet, so I'm, I'm hoping this will be down the line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when do you plan on announcing? Uh, I don't know when. I thought they were going to announce it like this month. Uh, so it'll be it'll be comfortably within the range of. Okay. Yeah. 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 I yeah, thought yeah. I thought they were going to do it at the beginning of of July. Mm -hmm. Um, they have not done that yet. When's when's the Pride Festival? Oh, it's or? in October. Oh, okay, but so they'll, they'll, they'll be they'll, they'll yeah. be announcing it. I believe this month. Okay. Uh, or you know, at, at the very latest, like August, it's fine. It's yeah, whatever. and I'll I, see it on your Instagram, so I'll know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, exactly. Yeah. Safe harbor. Yeah. Um. But. That was really, um, it was exciting because one, I, I, there was one summer where I was doing a play out in Provincetown back in like 2013. And so I have good memories of there. Another one, just the fact that they respect and, you know, value me enough based on what I'm doing to pay for my flight, put mm -hmm. me up, uh, in, in some sort of, uh, um, uh, accommodations there and then also pay the performance fee on top of that is, is that is not something that a lot of artists are used to yeah uh getting treated to um right. until you're at a certain level and like that's certainly not the norm for me <laughs> um like well, it seems like it's yeah. it's approaching getting to be the norm because it's, it's happening more yeah um but you know for some shows it's sort of like They'll they'll give you this fee, but then you know you have to also take care of like flights from that, mm -hmm. and with f flight prices these days. Oh my god! Oh my I know, god. outrageous. I, when I looked at yeah. uh, flights back to London, uh, it was just Ooh. insane compared to what it was. Okay, so is a that not ago. is not not the best time to go? Because I've been really wanting to go to London. Well, I think it more matters how long ahead you plan okay. the trip. Because I had okay. to in pretty short um turn around get something mm -hmm. for next week and uh some plans changed and whatever mm -hmm. and more shocking was the difference between economy classic and economy delight i think that <laughs> used to be like a 50 dollar difference oh. and well no it's really literally just a little bit more like room skyrockets and flight yeah exactly <laughs> economy delight um um for those of you who want to horrify yourself, go look up Afternoon Delight by Starland Vocal Band, who go. incidentally had their own summer replacement TV series. So yes, the music industry mm. was a different place. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they were like, yeah. yeah, that band, that song's big. Let's give them a mm. show. It, TV and, show. And, and uh, it, for another context, if y'all have seen Anchorman. It's oh, that's go. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's always yeah. good to... The I know, I remember point uh, of reference. at Videodrome, there was a song I was playing. I was like, how does everyone know this song? Like, that's not, they're not just dancing to it because yeah. it's good. They know this. And it turned out there was some movie, and I can't remember which one. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, but like a 500 Days of Summer type movie or something. Was it... You make my dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that. Yeah. It okay, was yeah. that. Yeah. Which I was like, I know people. This is a fairly well-known song, but it seems like everyone knows this. Yeah, it's like not in not in 2010 or something. Yeah, like that. right. Yeah. Exactly. And I was like, what is going on? Mm. I was like, I'm, I mean, fine with it, but uh, yeah. So it seems like there'll be more of that in the future. What's your 
posting strategy? Is it like three times a day? Is it oh, once a day? No. Um, it uh, depends on the platform. If it's Twitter, it's literally whatever comes to my mind, for yeah. better or for worse. Yeah. Um, because I just end up posting like hot takes about like, you know, m- middle, middle charting songs from 2014. <laughs> I- I'll be like, you know what? I've thought about it, and I think that uh, uh, "Cool for the Summer" is to Demi what "Into You" is to Ariana, because oh, right. they were. Bu- <laughs> yeah, well, that's what Twitter's for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's a lot of what my Twitter is, um, because it's that's definitely not my most engaged platform. For for something like Instagram, I'll maybe post like two, three times a week mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, the, the way I post has definitely changed over the years just because the content that you put out on Instagram is, it used to be, you know, like literally anything you thought you, I used to Instagram, like I use Twitter, like, like any, yeah. any funny little thing I would yeah. post. And now it's got like, you have to curate your feed. Your grid has to look glossy. It's always got to be a photo of you mm-hmm. um, because other, everything else does poorly in the algorithm. The algorithm likes faces. Well, in the algorithm for stories, mm-hmm. uh, there's this, hack or something Mm -hmm. whatever uh where if you let your stories run out and then post a picture of your face and then your views for the rest of the stories will be up if you try that that, you'll notice that you know what i did not actually know that because i do i did know that um sometimes i'll 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 get like a crazy number of views on a story throughout and then the next day it'll be like a, a third of that number i'm like did where'd y'all go I, you know i know <laughs> it's not any worse than yeah. it was yesterday <laughs> instagram loves intermittent reinforcement oh that it's 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 an abusive relationship it really which, is which is which, literally what tiktok is yeah okay um because they and it's by design yes it is by where where they will um uh give you all this engagement at once and and you're just that serotonin that little red bubble popping up Ooh, oh, yeah mm, so uh, good. validation and then uh, the next thing you post it'll get it'll fucking flop and, and you'll be like <laughs> wait but did, did i do something wrong and then you'll keep posting and it'll keep like flop and then, and then you'll get a big one again it's like mm. oh never mind you love me again yeah right and so it's it's quite literally an abusive uh relationship and so i've i've really had to um recalibrate how i approach that app especially because i have because that app is what gave me so much of my my audience yeah that i have that i i formed this fear that it could just take it away sure like like anytime oh god like anytime i have a song coming out i'm essentially a lot of of what i'm writing off my promotional strategy is that the the main tiktok i'm doing for that is going to hit big mm-hmm. i have knock on wood have been lucky that most of them have done pretty well yeah but i'm kind of like well fuck if this bombs on tiktok the song is going to bomb and and i'm just, and it's going to like i'm going to lose like my my spot in this algorithm and it's just like it's not a healthy way to think no it's not you know? it's not but it's hard to not think that yeah. way with it. It, it no truly so so i i in, but in between those moments, if I'm posting content, I, I've learned to just kind of like do my best to like separate myself from the outcome. Just be like, you know what? It's fine. It always swings back. It, it's always like a pendulum that's going back and yeah. forth. It'll be back. The, the No one hates you. No one's thinking that much about you. Yeah, that's the like, secret what? of it. But I know the best thing is to try to detach from the outcome, yeah. which is not Easier easy. Easier said than done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's not easy, but that is really the only mm-hmm. way you can do it, particularly... Yeah. 
almost it's in your face almost we know that there's an algorithm and mm-hmm. with instagram we know that they're constantly changing it to yeah uh, favor oh the igtv forget about it we don't want you to post long ones we want yeah we want to compete with uh tiktok however we reels. don't want you to yeah now mm-hmm. but now reels are 90 seconds like it's it, Too much. shifting mm-hmm. constantly i'm glad yeah. they're 90 seconds yeah, now, yeah. but still i'm you're like yeah reels are where it's at and i'm like i I'm not, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I've, I've never really gotten into the, the reels of it all because like, I feel like the TikToks don't translate as well sure. to the reels. And, and I have more of an audience on TikTok. So I right. just kind of put my focus in there. Yeah. That's... And yeah. And then I use Instagram for like my, my, that Instagram is my core. God, this, I sound so fucking like pretentious talking about this. No, you but don't. You know, this you, is what you, it's you like to be an, like, in, yeah. uh, I was going to say, you sound mm-hmm. like an independent artist. I was who literally going to Yeah, exactly. going to say, this is, this is what, this is like what independent artists are having to stress about, even if they don't talk. They make it seem like everything's easy breezy and they're killing it. But this is what like most independent artists I know are stressing about. Yeah. Is, is like learning, trying, trying to master this algorithm that wants you to fail. Essentially. Yeah, I know. It wants you to use its platform as much as, as possible while giving you as little, and every now and then it'll, it'll, you know, give you a little something, but and, and, you know, I'm hmm. sorry that we couldn't film this one today because I would like to put this discussion on one of those platforms. You know what? Wouldn't that be, <laughs> was, would that be meta? I think so. Or, well, yeah, and it would be, and maybe Meta would reach out. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh, kill me. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess I kind of view like Instagram as like the core audience because it's like TikTok will not like I have I have more followers on TikTok, but it doesn't show your content to hardly any of them. Right. Whereas I feel like I have you know people. It's both people I know. And people who like follow me more closely are on Instagram. Yeah. So that that is like my my base. But if I'm really banking on something reaching a new audience, that's what um uh TikTok. Um, yeah, yeah, TikTok. Yeah. I have a friend, the guy who's on the the Kalechi, who's on the my new song with me, he was telling me he was like, it's a discovery based. That's what I algorithm. like so much about yeah. it because Instagram is not. You yeah. go to Instagram to eat well, it's either it's like a follower base. Yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, I'm gonna follow them. Mm-hmm. You already have it in your mind. Yeah. Or uh, it's what someone termed the other day. Mm-hmm. I like it's uh, Los Angeles or LA Hello. Or oh, yeah. Something because <laughs> it's, it's you just go, hey, where other. are you on Instagram? Which is yeah. the easiest yes! way. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Good thing about that, though. That's the easiest way to, uh, instead of saying, hey, what's your mm-hmm. number? Yeah. Oh, there's so many people where I'm, I've been like known them for years and I don't have their number anymore. We just talk on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Um, Everyone on your your Instagram timeline or everything on your feed is someone you've chosen to follow. Yes. Whereas the TikTok thing, it's it's content that the algorithm thinks you're gonna like yeah. or has chosen for you m- for you, Paige. Um, so <laughs> it's probably the most finely tuned. It algorithm. really, it's really well, and it, it's so funny. You'll you'll come across something, and it's like, wow, I'm getting a lot of videos using this sound. Like it must be viral. And then I click on it, and it's like. Oh no! It's really just I. I love uh, videos of you know thick boys shaking their asses for seven <laughs> seconds, and there's only like three hundred videos in the sound, but I'm getting shown all of all them. of them. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, I was like, oh, well, it's for me indeed. <laughs> yeah, no. Someone was telling me that the best way to do it is just put up like don't what what who is it that said that I can't remember who it was. I uh, was a chunky's dead was saying mm-hmm. just quantity over quality. Oh, which yeah. is was interesting to me mm-hmm. 
Uh, I'm not necessarily in, in, in accordance or in agreeing with that, but uh, it seems to work for her. But then I think that she says that, mm -hmm. but also puts a lot of thought into her things. So yeah. some people just have the, well, I, I feel like if you can do both, that's great. Yeah. Obviously I, they do. People say like, Oh, you, you should be posting two to three times a day on TikTok." I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> no. Right. Um, I guess it, I guess if if your long term goal is just to stay in the algorithm constantly, then sure. But then I, I just end up putting out a lot of stuff that doesn't do very well, and I'm like, I don't, I don't feel good about that. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, and then going back and deleting it. Yeah, and also be, there will be all these rules. It's like you post between this time, and this time. These videos belong. You know these these words, these hashtags, and really you can do everything right and still and not. It have, still flops, yeah. and so really in the end, it's kind of like. It only works to a degree. So just, you might as well just do what you want. Yeah. Yeah, just post it. What's some other music that you either find inspiring now or has been, I mean, we talked about The Who mm -hmm. and everything, but some other stuff. Yeah. That... Uh, so a lot of the stuff on that I'm doing right now, it, it very much is um, what I what I like to describe it as, and I feel like this is super clever, but it never really gets the response <laughs> I want. It's like, I'm making music from the 80s, the 2080s. Uh, um, because that's a, good, it's a good line. Yeah, was, but no one's really like, oh yeah, like in my head they're gonna be, it's, so I don't know if it really lands, but it's, it's um, especially the last like two or three, they definitely have, um, the other thing I like to say is like, I want it to sound, um, uh, nostalgic, but also like, or, or timeless, but also fresh. Yeah, sure. Because, well, it is very yeah. modern sounding. Yeah, like the production is definitely it's it has like ideas that I feel like it wouldn't sound out of place like on like a Tears for Fears sure album, but also like the some production ideas sound very distinctly modern as well. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you know my vocals and like the melody writing I think sounds more modern, but like yeah. the last track it sounds it's very it has you know that like electric piano kind of sound and yeah, and, which it's very kind of like aha. And then the other one, uh, the last one I put out, it's it's very kind of like um uh. Uh, uh, oh, fuck what's this oh my god like don't you forget about me it's oh simple minds yeah simple minds i almost said simple plan i'm like that's not right <laughs> um, like like it has that kind of energy and that sort of it, yeah. it sounds a little bit in excess um and so it's a lot of these ideas like it has like the guitar from like like uh joshua tree it's sure. got it's got like the chords from like um uh, uh, head the over jam. heels. No, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, call back. Um, and then um, I have a clip actually mm -hmm. of Paul Weller that I had oh, a, yeah. I pulled the other day. They were put on a bill opening for Blue Oyster Cult, which doesn't oh, seem like yeah. a good fit. I love Blue Oyster Cult. I like. The I know jam. the one song. Yeah, and then he's talking about the audience. There were still people sitting on the floor and smoking weeds. Smoking weeds. Smoking weeds. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's great. He sounds like a ninety-five-year-old, like smoking mm -hmm. weeds. There you go. I never heard it referred Plural. to as that. Maybe that was a thing <laughs> in, at the time. But yeah. yeah, smoking weeds. He's a sober guy now. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, like, honestly, honestly, a lot of the ones who are still going are so are going because they're sober now. Yeah, that's like, true. Like, uh, I don't know if Paul is. But I know Elton is oh elton definitely paul yeah. doing it you oh know, yeah, RuPaul. yeah so like like the the not to say like old timers but like well people who hit you it know, hard just, i mean john bonham's not really doing much these days you know <laughs> so it's so even it's, keith richards quit smoking you know yeah so. yeah and if he can do it anyone come on anyone you know. can yeah so so it's i definitely noticed a trend that like the ones who really um in, invest in the long term in their career like I, I don't know if he's sober or not but i do remember reading something about um 
James Hetfield from Metallica, where he's like, he has had to like, he has to be so disciplined when he's on tour. I think he is sober. Okay, that makes sense. Like, I'm looking at him. He gives me sober energy. I don't know why. There's a great documentary about, Mm -hmm. I think, right after he got sober or Mm -hmm. right before, maybe, or maybe in that whole time, uh, called Some Kind of Monster that's now on Netflix. Oh, yeah. It's a two-part thing. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible documentary. It's about the making of the St. Anger album. Mm -hmm. They have a psychiatrist who's, like, working with the group. Oh, yeah. I think I've seen clips of this. It's. I saw it in the theater, and it was, like, wild to see in the theater because very long as well. Mm -hmm. But it's a great now they have a follow-up piece to it and it's uh 10 years after they go back and check it mm-hmm. out but he's there's an interview he did on stern and i think he was on mark Marin. but it's a very good interview he talks about all that stuff okay he had a lot of issues uh that he had to deal with that I mean, getting sober helped him yeah i mean no one starts a band like that in the 80s you know, <laughs> Stone called sober but well, what's amazing is that for a band called Alcoholica, uh, euphemistically <laughs> sometimes by friends, uh, Dave Mustaine was such a bad drunk that they kicked oh, him is out. Is he sober now? He is, I believe. Interesting. I think he is. And yet yeah. he's still so. Uh, <laughs> wasn't he like cheerful, problematic uh, as fuck, or so? I don't know. Uh, I, I, you know, there's something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he said some political stuff that was a little like. He's like what? very Christian and yes. in like not the best ways. Right. And it's yeah. a little surprising given. Yeah some of his work you know yeah. are you have you ever seen decline of western civilization part two i have not so i think part you'd two. like it <laughs> well part two because mm-hmm. part one is about the punk scene in la okay which is great but it's nothing compared to part two because that is about the 80s scene in la I in the mid 80s it's been the viper room yeah you well yeah, yeah exactly i mean i they, would be very they, interested to see that and actually. they talk about pay to play in that because it's around the time mm-hmm. it started they they go to gazari's which was the club that mm-hmm. every band like rat and all that used to play the whiskey, etc. So, yeah. and it shows the whole Sunset Strip, where at the time it was nothing but like hair metal bands, and uh, great looks. Kind of cool, honestly. Yeah, mm. I mean, you know, obviously we love to romanticize the past, but you know, so, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's also a time where the club scene was very active. And mm-hmm. I think I think Gazaris is now called Bar. Is it Bar One? I can't remember. It's been through a couple changes, but uh, that's a that's uh, like one of those legendary spots oh who van halen that's what I was there you go that used to Ooh, i do there. loving some van halen yeah, so, yeah. uh no uh, roth hager or probably not gary sharon which is your favorite era? <laughs> i i'm a david lee roth girl yeah from yeah you know through and through i yeah. um i mean sammy hager's got he, he's got the voice but um even honestly speaking of steve Vai, mm. um david lee roth's uh voice on that first record and his solo stuff is yeah. honestly like so much fun steve Vai was his guitarist for yes. i think his first um his solo first solo record, album and smile yeah 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 and i was actually just listening to yankee rose last night oh, and fun. Uh, ladies night in buffalo that guitar part yeah <laughs> um <laughs> oh, anyway um but also one of my other favorite guitar players i don't know if you've heard of jason becker i think i've heard the name but i don't know where the from. most incredible story he was um he was in uh this 17 year old guitar prodigy in like the late 80s mm-hmm. um, joins a band um, with Marty Friedman of Megadeth. Oh, yeah. Um, and called Cacophony. And mm-hmm. it's like very much like guitar indulgent hair metal. Mm-hmm. Um, listening back to it now, not the kind of stuff I'd listen to, but I was all about that. But this, but this kid, he was like 18, 19, just like tearing it the fuck up. Yeah. Um, put out his own solo record. Um, all, all this, you know, like, like, 
touring the world with with these people like uh in by 21 i think at like 22 gets diagnosed with als oh wow yeah is given like like a year to live uh he is still alive oh good he's like 50 something i think uh-huh. he has his his um he has learned how to compose with his eyes oh my god yeah uh oh oh but i'll let's say he was going to be he plays guitar on the um david lee ross second album oh that's yeah. where i know the name from that. yeah okay yeah. so he he did a little ain't enough yeah he plays guitar okay. on that album yeah and that was the last thing he recorded wow um and he was going to go on tour and then he got diagnosed. Wow. So he, but he, he devised a way to communicate with his eyes, which is like each movement of his eyes means a letter. Wow. And so he spells it out to his family and like his caretakers. Yeah. Um, and so he's still alive and, and kicking right now. And he's managed to like uh, use like software to compose stuff. So he has still put out music. Mm-hmm. Um, so amongst kind of like the guitar community, he is like very much revered understandably because he did all this within a span of like three years in his late teens and early 20s yeah so right and then still and also didn't um go the route of bitterness over losing that he went and continued oh completely yeah yeah makes and also a bit of like a medical marvel (laughs) absolutely absolutely Um, uh when you were in the midst of the mm -hmm. the the let's say the middle of the drug thing Mm -hmm. how would that impact your music um you know i am very grateful that it didn't last long enough to come i mean it it did derail me but i actually had a um right when i started out when it was still good um i actually the first song i ever put out um which was back in like 2017 it it, i I recorded 90 percent of those vocals while i was actively high sure and so and i i I had like taken this trip out to new york to um to to record with a producer out there i felt honestly felt like on top of the world because i was like um they asked me like stay behind and record these other things for this demo i was getting paid to do that Mm. i I got taken to um actually this was kind of cool i was sort of the arm candy to this one photographer who was photographing John Cameron Mitchell's last performance as Hedwig on Broadway. Amazing. And I actually met Jake Shears backstage. Oh, fun. So that was, that, so I just, and I was like high as a kite doing all this. I felt like I was living a dream. I was like, right. I'm recording my music. I'm getting paid to record demos. So that at that point, I felt like, this is this is light. This is great. Like yeah, I'm, this is, this is great. The start I, I figured of, it out, and I'm here. And, exactly. Yeah. And then I and then I flew back to SF, and like life just kind of fell apart. And honestly, like I really couldn't do, I couldn't do anything. Like I, you know, I I I sang on my own and with some friends because I was in like a, a a chorus at the time, and we would like do karaoke, and I was kind of like I was the singer of my friends for sure. But I. I, I did not have the 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 physical ability or focus or drive to to do anything. My number one priority was getting drugs. Sure, like, like it takes the back. Everything else takes the back seat. At that time, mm. did you feel, or maybe later, I don't know, but did you feel like, oh, I fucked that up, and now that's gone? Did you ever have that feeling, or did you always know that you were going to get back to? I music? never felt like I fully fucked it up. I did feel like I, I lost some good time. Mm-hmm. because you know i'm looking at these people doing doing music now and they're all in like their fresh early 20s and i'm sure. you know no longer in my 20s and and um i i'm like damn if, if only i had just you know like had the foresight to not to to know how this would how much this would hold me back it, it was i was never like i'm never gonna be able to do this it was more like 
I'm going to have to work my way back to this. Right. Like I, when I was in, in rehab, I w I was like writing all this stuff down in my, in like my notebooks. I was like planning out songs I was going to write. Yeah. I was, I had this little like, um, recording device on my iPod where I could like hum ideas into it. And I would save for later. I, don't, yeah. I didn't really use many, but, um, it was, I was very driven to get that life back. Good. Because yeah, yeah. the thing with they call it the pink cloud, like those oh, first yeah. few months after you get sober where it's like your 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 life is coming back. Your serotonin and dopamine are 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 re uh, are growing back in, in yeah. your brain. Yeah. And you and you feel like very just like I, I felt very elated and grateful. I know that's not always everyone's experience, but so I was used I I, I found that period of time to be very um inspiring and, yeah, yeah very yeah. restorative oh yeah. my god like the smallest little little privilege i had like while i was you know while we weren't allowed to leave the building yet like the, your first month you can't leave without accompaniment um i was like oh you know just i just like making my bed oh like eating food oh taking a walk outside once i can find it was just like you were you're reduced to these bare minimums of your life because it's like you lost all of those yeah uh, when you were out there doing sure. whatever you're doing and so you have to like and if so, and you can't, I mean, okay, one shouldn't <laughs> um, uh, just jump right back into life the, the moment you get sober, because that's what you were doing when you were fucked up. Right. So, right. so it, it really helps to just, you know, I would, and this is, if anyone out there is uh, maybe, you know, thinking you might have a problem or might, might be struggling, might be having a hard time. I truly recommend inpatient treatment to anyone who just maybe if you can't seem to get it, mm -hmm. it's such a hard decision to make. I, I, I know that um, it's this feeling of surrender where you feel like you've lost, but really you're winning. Right. Like by, by surrendering, you're actually winning. It's which yeah. is a weird concept to grasp, but it's also mm -hmm. a short term quote loss, right? Completely. For you're a making such game. It's such an investment in yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, but doing that at someone who is actively in their addiction, mm -hmm. it's very hard to make that choice or to or to to um, admit your powerlessness, as you know steps talk about. Um, so so I was I, f I feel very grateful that I I did have the people around me and and you know I had that moment of of strength where I could just I could just let go and yeah. and realize it's like you know what I'm I'm. I'm fucking done with this. Like, I, I, there's nothing else I can do here. And if I keep doing this, it's just going to get worse. Yeah. And so I, it's, it's, and if I had not had this period of, of, um, just taking myself out of life for just, mm -hmm. just two months, people are like, oh, but I can't do that because I have this and I have to do this. And yeah. it's like, what, you think your job's going to keep you while you're, while you're showing up? with a week of no sleep like right with someone's come in your hair like, i don't know it's just like well, the, you know people, you can get whatever it is hamster <laughs> yeah. wheel mm -hmm. uh yeah. mentality that oh and, and everything is constantly juggling and the and the balls are getting heavier and heavier yeah. yeah but you think i have to keep doing this but then you can stop and then realize that life goes on not just outside mm -hmm. your life but your life goes on yeah and it might take a turn or something like that mm -hmm. but then clearly for you it gave you the strength to and the uh, foresight and overall perspective and, and gratitude and, and the content inspiration <laughs> yeah well that's true too yeah oh, that's God. true what's so funny is that the first song I, I put out i wrote it like sort of about 
like my budding addiction before had gotten bad. Would this be body chemistry or? Oh, brain chemistry was the name of of the EP. Um, And the first song I put out on there was this one called Running on Empty. And it was really all about kind of like how much I'm like drinking too much. And it's essentially like apologizing to whoever, you know, is in my life and having to deal with that part of me. But knowing that like deep down, I really do care. Yeah. But what's funny is that like I wrote that before I ever tried meth. And then I tried meth and recorded it, the song. And then the song came out when I was sober. So it's not quite a life cycle. And and, weir- <laughs> and weirdly, like, while that is my oldest, that's not my oldest song. It's it's the oldest song that I think is good uh-huh. <laughs> that is out there. Um, it's that that one weirdly still connects with people. Like like that 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 is like the one I like to close my set with. It's got the it's that big anthemic kind of kind of power chorus. It re- it's kind of like the tearjerker. Um, but it, it has aged very well, I mm. feel. And I mean, this means nothing to people who haven't heard it. Go check it out. Yeah, well, this is uh, enticing context. them to listen to there it. There you go. There you go. It's, good, it's a good place to start, even though what I'm doing now is I feel vastly different. Not necessarily better, but different. Um, we'll experience the whole yeah, journey. Yeah, it, it's, oh, it, it, it's the discography. It, it takes you, it takes you all over, all over. Yeah. yeah there's a little something for everyone. Yeah. Um, so so that, that the whole that whole EP really was had a lot to do with just kind of my what I wanted to say as like a, a queer person finally getting to to make the music that I'd always been wanting to and just a lot of stuff about like addiction like there's there's one of them that's fully just like and I wrote this when I was sober so it's it was fine but it was basically kind of playing this character of someone who's like finally kind of discovering like essentially like drug fueled sex and, and uh-huh. like kind of ashamed but like knows he's like fucking loves it yeah so and well, that's okay i yeah. mean that you know those things are i think those things are, are really valuable in yeah. art because again it's from the perspective of fill in the blank mm. but th- those are real things yeah and i mean it's like you know american psycho is written about a character <laughs> to pick an extreme version or taxi yeah. driver or something like that and uh those things serve to a uh, purpose mm. no no exactly yeah and and um I, I did kind of like how like that particular song it started the EP and then I finished it with the the last one that kind of was like the recovery of it yeah. all. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was almost like an unintentional concept EP. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Those, those can be some of the fun. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of albums out there that are actually concept albums, but they're yeah. not billed as such because they're about a particular time in someone's life. And I, I like that aspect mm-hmm. of of. Um, of uh albums or music in general because it is a snapshot really yeah. of what's going on even unintentionally yeah i mean it's hard to unless you're completely removing yourself from the creative process yeah. it's it's gonna it's gonna be like a little slice of of your life right there if, if you're being authentic then that's it, it will end up being like that in some form so i think it's obvious where people can find you online but why don't you tell them yeah it'll I, be in the episode description and everything yeah. and plus you know yeah, no, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it was annoying. I tried to make my my handles consistent across every platform, mm-hmm. and they were for. I used to on most platforms. I am Z Machine Music Z E E M A C H I N E. Yes, that's right. <laughs> music. Yeah. I was like, oh shit. I'm used to typing it, not spelling it out loud. Yeah. Um, well, it's like try to remember anyone's phone number, much less your own. Oh yeah, I I know one phone number, <laughs> and that is mine. Um. But on Instagram, I'm just at Z Machine because mm-hmm. the guy who had that handle, I reached out to him a few years ago and I said, hey, it looks like you're not posting much on here. And I would really love 
this. Are you gonna um do you want he's like, I think I'm gonna hold on to it for now. Uh, but I'll let you know if I want to change it. And lo and behold, during the pandemic, he's like, Hey man, uh so I changed my name if you want it. And so I jumped on it. Good. But now my uh the, the the part of me that really likes kind of visual consistency um is annoyed by the fact that I'm Z Machine music everywhere except Instagram. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's fine. It's but also if you just type Z Machine two words. Yes. Please know that. Um, no one gets that right. Um, I sh- I'll probably be the first one to pop up. So Yeah, um, more than likely. Yeah, I mean, if and if not, I will uh, I will take care of that. Yes, there you <laughs> go. There you go. So, You're on top of it. Yeah, uh, there you go. Um, well, yeah, when I named mm-hmm. the, uh, when I changed the name of the show, and I there mm-hmm. was a Craig and Friends account on Instagram that had two followers and was a private account. Oh, I God. reached out to them a number of times, never heard back from them. And uh, so I just went, okay, Craig and Friends pod. That's fine. There you go. That's yeah. fine. Everyone knows what that means. You, so, you already you already had the blue check. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, so this is the one, not the one with two they followers. Know, they know. Yeah, they will. Oh, at Z Machine on Twitter was a dick to me. Really? <laughs> yes, I reached out and they were like a locked account that for like a business that hadn't done anything like that didn't even look real. Yeah. And I am calling them out if they're like, and, and I DM'd them and they were like, it, it seemed like they were like a front for some like phony, but <laughs> it, it was a very weird interaction, but yeah. I was like, Hey, um, can I have this? And they're like, yeah, let me check with the, 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 the business. I'm like, bitch, there is no business. Who are you there checking no, with? Yeah, exactly. So I check, I circled back around. I was like, Hey, did you hear back? And they're like, yeah, man, definitely not. Sorry. <laughs> and so I'm like, you know what? And so I literally was so passive aggressive. I was like, okay, well, cool. I guess, you know, you haven't posted in three years and your website doesn't even work. But okay, but, thanks. I'll take care. Yeah, but that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Sort of. I got real heated just now. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you're passionate. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, well, I've had a lovely time chatting with you. Me too. I've been looking forward to this for, I mean, honestly, I guess you could say years. Oh, that's <laughs> no very way. nice. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this since we started talking about it. Which, yeah, likewise. Yeah. I think you, I think I, I did a lip sync to are you gay yes and that's, that's right. where where you followed me i was like oh that's so sweet of him and yeah then, no i love that that's right mm-hmm. that, that that is exactly what it was mm-hmm. and then i enjoyed your music and then oh. um yeah and then oh it's been a while actually since we've mm-hmm. been or i've been thinking about this so yeah yeah so i'm really happy we'll have to do another one sometime. i would i would love to you know see we'll see what's uh see what's changed <laughs> yeah well that's yeah. always fun and then ideally i won't be in london when you have a show in la you know what? You're you're not giving me a lot of hope here on that. But you know, you, you, you I'll keep be here me in September. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what we need to do. Yeah. Just a little bit of a, a tease to keep coming back, checking out. There you go. Yeah. I yeah. mean, honestly, the, September something will probably be happening. I will definitely keep you posted. Okay. Fan, thank I'm you so much for having me. This oh, has that's been so lovely. Absolutely delightful. Same here. Yeah. And thank you again. For advanced, uncut, and ad-free versions of these episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash craigandfriends, where you can also get bonus episodes, chats with myself and Ada about being parents, early participation in the movie clubs, and a whole lot more. 